84 down, 281 to go. My name is Chris. This is at a theater near me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Today, I'm going to be talking about the movies Seven Days and Alice, but I'll be spending most of the show having a conversation with Ben and Becca Fundus. They own the Newburyport screening room, and we have a conversation about what it's like to own a theater in 2022. But before I go any further, are you sick of skyrocketing prices and vendors never having anything on the shelf? For 40 years, KL Jack has been the premier industrial supplier in Northern New England. They are a proud family-owned company headquartered in Portland, Maine. They proudly distribute quality brands such as Lennox, 3M, DeWalt, and strong, durable, American-made Viking brand drill bits and cutting tools. Head over to kljack.com right now and use promo code TIM10, that's TIM10, to get 10% off your first online order. KL Jack has the quality fasteners, abrasive safety products, cutting tools, and chemicals you need to keep costs down and to keep rolling. KL Jack has locations throughout Maine and New Hampshire, but they are shipping nationwide daily. You order it, they pick it, they pack it, and they ship it. If you are an electrician, plumber, or work in HVAC, this is a no-brainer. If you have industrial supply questions, reach out to Tim Riggles on Twitter. It's at T-I-M-R-I-D-G-O-L-D-S or go to kljack.com right now. Place that order. Use promo code TIM10 for 10% off your first online order. Okay, here's the conversation with Ben and Becca Fundus. Like I said, they own the Newburyport Screening Room in downtown Newburyport. Definitely recommend checking that place out. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Okay, I am here with Ben and Becca Fundus. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, you did. All right, and they are with the they are own the Newburyport Screening Room uh, in Newburyport, Massachusetts, uh, which is located right downtown Newburyport, uh, which is if you've never been, a lovely little community. And um, the theater is really it's really neat and unique. It's a it's a one screener, so it's just one theater, uh, ninety nine seats. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And you guys just bought it pretty recently. Yeah, we bought it in the summer of twenty twenty. Which seems like a terrible time to buy a movie theater, if I might be honest. Um, it, was a gutsy, it was a gutsy time to buy a movie theater, for sure. An opportunity that wouldn't necessarily present itself again. <laughs> yeah, right. maybe kind of talk about that process, because you folks aren't local, right? Or you weren't at that point. Right. No, we lived in upstate New York, um, and I was working as a, a film or video editor and sort of capable, capable of kind of moving around and being anywhere. And Becca uh, had been at a at a movie theater there in uh, Rhinebeck, New York, and was working at a, as an arts administrator. Mm-hmm. Hudson. Yep, and we met in that movie theater too, so we knew yeah. we really liked programming things together and working together. Um, yeah. yeah, when the and I had kind of shifted over to an opera house, but missed the movies. And so in the middle of the pandemic, when a friend contacted us and told us that the screening room was looking for new owners, we drove out and we really thought, you know, maybe this could happen, maybe it couldn't. Um, but yeah, we sold our house and bought a movie theater instead. During a pandemic. <laughs> and now we're here. Um, yeah, and it's great because it's, it, yeah, it's something we dreamed of for a really long time and we're totally enjoying doing it together. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, it's something we never really thought would actually kind of happen. So how does that cool. how does that process work? So you you know, I mean, mm-hmm. are movie theaters just listed as, as check out kind of in the Craigslist, or how are you finding out a movie theater is available? Because how does My that work? Friend, I have a friend who was booking the films for the previous owner, Andrew, um, and 
and my friend contacted me and he said, look, this little theater, it really needs someone um, mm -hmm. to make it through the pandemic. And I'm, you know, I'm worried for this, this owner and, and, and it can actually make some money. It has a lot of support in the community. So yeah, he, he pointed us in the direction. We had a little bit of a nudge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So being new owners of a movie theater, what are, what has been maybe challenges you folks didn't expect or what are some things maybe that happened on a positive side that maybe you didn't expect? Yeah, I think most of the challenges were the the obvious ones that we just kind of had to get through it um, from, you know, from, from the get-go. We tried yeah. opening for a little tiny bit, but it wasn't even worth opening like a, yeah. the number of people who are coming in couldn't really pay for the cost of running the films and heating the building we would, if we got if we got 10 people in the seats we would be sending texts to each other with exclamation points oh, yeah. very excited <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got 10 people in the theater oh my gosh we got a movie on our hands yeah um so we had to close for a while yeah. um before the vaccines were out and the vaccines really and and during that time it was kind of fun we you know we thought we tried virtual cinema that didn't really make a lot of money, but it kept us active and it kept us communicating with the audience, yeah. which was cool. It got the, it got the email list going and it got yeah. the community uh, knowing that somebody was there and, and that the place had a pulse, even if it was, you know, yeah. in a, in a difficult spot. And then so we ran rentals as well for, um, mm -hmm. we ran private rentals for families and pods at the time. Um, mm -hmm. And that, yeah, that was, that was fun. So that was a way to sort of meet some people face to face. Um, and then we finally reopened in June. Um, and now we're just kind of riding the waves as COVID waves come up, then business goes down. And when things get better, then business comes back a little bit. So we're riding the waves and riding the films because when COVID gets worse, then distributors will sort of pull their titles mm -hmm. back. And so you can't put them on screen. So for a couple months, <laughs> um, so we, yeah. we have to, you know, we're waiting on the titles that are really going to pull audiences into the seats, even though numbers, COVID numbers are better. But we've got, we always try to show stuff that we believe in. So mm -hmm. we're, we're, yeah, we're not just showing anything, but we're, yeah. No, you, but, I, I've seen three movies there. And I will say, uh, as I, as I've gone, I've noticed the crowds have, have increased. I, I've noticed an uptick. Yes. Uh, in in people, I, the last one I saw was compartment number six, and and but you can see like more and more people are coming out. Um, a, a, a compared to I saw a Sydney Sydney Portier movie there, uh, and I also saw uh, the race movie uh, Who We Are. I saw that oh, there. Cool, I think yeah. Who We Are might have been me and just one person. And I think for compartment number six, where we were, you know we got double digits there. Like you can see the uptick. It's it's slow, but you can see, and I see it across the. Know, doing this project now for three months like i've seen a huge uptick just in like people even in the lobby or even you know mm -hmm. people are just out and about even like people in the supermarket i'm sure everyone listening is noticing just an uptick in people being out or traffic in the roads or whatever i feel like we are kind of rounding the bend as far as getting back to normal for sure um yeah. and you mentioned kind of the movies that you pick so you know you folks didn't show you're not going to show batman you're not going to show spider-man typically but you're going to yeah. show more of those art house movies uh how do you pick those movies how do you uh choose what you're going to have at the theater well there are a certain number of distribute if you if you just self-define as an art house movie theater there are certain distributors who sort of cater to that kind of business um and so we work with a set of distributors like sony pictures classics um, used to be Fox Searchlight. There's, they're sort of streaming some of their stuff through Disney now, um, but there's a number of distributors that you work with, and 
Um, so yeah, you, you go to screenings in the city, you try to see everything in advance, you go to a festival or two and you, we did um, the Toronto film festival virtually for a couple of years. And that's, that's kind of the, the number one, you know? Yeah. Toronto and Sundance are really helpful, um, at different, for different seasons of films. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you, you also just like get digital screeners for whatever you can. Um, so you do a lot of watching <laughs> and then it's, and then it's, what can you piece together in the, if with one screen, it's challenging because I mean, at the theater I was at before we had three screens divided between two theaters, two buildings, and, uh, you could kind of move a movie over from like a big screen to a yeah. small screen or one location to another. And here we have to sort of hit these little windows of, of opportunity when a movie is released and some, and often they, they overlap. And so um, then it's just, how do you, what do you prefer? What do you think is going to work in your community? Yeah. And what do you think will also make money and keep the business afloat? But uh, we have at times taken a hit just because we love right. a movie so much sure. too. So yeah. Well, it's a huge and, risk because you just have the one theater. Now you folks, you guys are smart where you guys sometimes will have, you know, based on the times you might have you know, two movies available. Right. Uh, you know, obviously in the one screen, but yeah, I can see how that happens. You might have a movie you really believe in. You think it's going to really, you know, you love it. Oh, the, the community is going to love this one. And then nobody goes and sees it or a small crowd. And then you're kind of stuck with it for the rest of the week. That must be kind of a lousy feeling. It's not a great feeling. No. <laughs> especially when you love, yeah. Especially when you love the movie. Um, that's, that's really hard. And the, you know, the worst, you know, one of my least favorite things that people might say when they come out to a movie like that is, well, that was interesting. And it's just like that one just gets that just as a theater owner, it just gets you when you feel really passionate about something and, and, and you want people to just go a little bit further to try to understand a movie that has a perspective that might not be their own and it might not be something that they expected. Um, but that's, but by and large, uh, we have an audience that really appreciates being pushed uh, yeah. into areas that they, that they don't, you know, that, that aren't their experience at all, which is, which is really great. So totally. the, the turnout that we had for compartment number six, yeah. the turnout that we've had for movies like drive my car um, and worst person in the world. And the response to those movies has been excellent. Really. Yeah. Yeah. We're really impressed with this audience. The audience is it's a phenomenal. Great audience. And uh, whenever we've, we've had a, a, a good number of special events too, where we've had special guests and stuff like that and the q a's that we have with our audience it's, it's just it's so encouraging it's such a welcoming uh crowd here in newburyport and the people that you know frankly outside of newburyport that come quite a distance to come here and um they're so supportive and so happy that that the place is you know vibrant again yeah you folks do have guests uh so i saw you had uh, i think a guest for the was it infinite storm do more people come out because of that guest Definitely sure. for that one, absolutely because uh, Ty uh, Gagne wrote the article that led to the to uh, inspire the making of the movie, and he skipped out on going to the New York premiere to come support his. You know, he lives local in Hampton, so he's pretty much local to here. So to come, he brought his family out and and come did it with us instead of going to New York, which we were extremely grateful. Yeah. to him for and yeah and we sold out all 99 seats for the first time in a year a probably. year yeah, yeah and change yeah um yeah and and that's a really great example of just the audience the questions the q a was fabulous the audience mm -hmm. hit like every question that we would have wanted them to ask 
um, it was really a great Q&A and we recorded it and we put it up online so people can, can access it. You could come see Infinite Storm this week and then go home and watch the Q&A and mm -hmm. sort of look at that difference between the fictionalized version um, and then the, the true story. So you brought, you brought the theater uh, back in 2020 and mm -hmm. it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's old, but it's what, it's 40 years old, roughly. Yeah, um, and it's the 40th year this year. 40th, okay. And the previous owner had it for a long time. Um, yeah. He might have been, was he the founder of the previous owner? Are you, so you folks, the second people that own it? Yep. Um, and so when you go in there, you're like, all right, here are the changes I want to make. Or was it when you folks went there, you're like, all right, I want to kind of keep this, keep that ball rolling. No, the, the two things that, the floor in the lobby it was you know needed updating it was you know it was done um so that was obvious uh and not a big change and you know nothing that you know everyone loved that new floor um and then the big one was uh getting popcorn back so in 2015 uh, because they weren't up to massachusetts food code it meant that they had to have a bunch of sinks and grease traps and all this stuff to get the popcorn back up and running and um and andrew you know he was just never either financially or you know didn't have the energy to go through the process with you know the city and the plumbers to do that so we took that on and did it and so popcorn is back which people are very happy about yes yeah well that's, that's a must that, that's i can that would that would be a, a much needed uh, concession for sure i uh but, it's an unusual place it's an unusual space because it is i'm sure at one time must have been a retail yeah, uh, I, think it was a, I think it was a small food market okay that, yeah, that makes that makes sense yeah um and it's one of few theaters around that's like right downtown I know yeah. when I was growing up in uh, the Seacoast, New Hampshire area, we had like the Strand Theater in Dover. Um, yeah. You know, you saw it a lot more. And, and a lot of those theaters have unfortunately gone by the wayside. But, but having yeah. a theater right downtown is great. I, I, I love it. Yeah. I love being able to walk to the movie theater if I live, you know, if, if I'm in that city and I'm able to, to go to a theater. It's just a, it's a great it's a great for a great night. Are you able to go get dinner and then you don't need to drive your car again? You can just walk right over and go catch a film. It's a it's a great date yeah. night, too. Yeah. Totally. Right. And because of that, it helped to find, you know, it helps to define the town for a lot of people too. And it becomes this like really critical landmark for Newburyport. And you know, people were very, very scared that the theater was going to go by the wayside like a lot of the other ones had. But just to go back to your previous question too, I think it's not our style to come in and want to yeah. change something. Um, and also, I mean, in, in an ideal world, you know, a movie, going to a movie theater should be a simple, a simple, sweet, beautiful thing. And I, I think like um, when we first arrived, we I mean, we had a lot of experience in, in movie theaters, um, but I think it was really similar to the people, we were doing something really similar to what the people were doing here at the screening room before. Mm -hmm. So our sense was we wanted to come in and just get it up and running again um, because it had been closed during the pandemic and then meet everyone, <laughs> get to know the audience, and then get to know all the organizations in town that we could start to work with and sort of just grow organically through mm -hmm. there. Because really, I mean, a theater is, is not just about movies and it is, it's about movies and art, but it's also about social relationships and being essential to its community and um, yeah, and integrating really. Yeah. We've always kind of thought of it as like a a secular church <laughs> in a weird yeah. way you can you know you can go out and see a movie and have a transformative experience with a group of people and it's pretty cool um and it's it's just that essence that we want to guard basically yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Not to say we won't do things down the line, but we we yeah, no dream down the line. But we'd like to dream with the community. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you're right downtown, I think it's that's a must. And, and Newburyport has an established community, and, and they it's a it's a beautiful spot. I I, I, to, I was telling my wife uh, after I saw I think it was the the Sydney Poitier movie. I, I it was I think it was in the Heat of the Night. I saw there, and uh, I I went back home. And I told my wife I'm like, oh man, we have to go hang out in Newburyport more. Like it's such cool shops, and it's right on the water. It's be, it's a beautiful spot. Um, it's a great walking town. For it sure. is um, for sure. So you mentioned the studios you work with. So I had on. Uh, Jonathan Kiernan from Cinema Salem a couple months ago, and he was mm-hmm. talking about how when they bring a film in, because they'll play some, they'll play more blockbusters. They have more screens than you folks do, so they yeah. will do a mix and match. They'll play some art house stuff, but they'll also will do some uh, larger films. So he was talking about kind of that two week block that he said was kind of difficult to manage sometimes with some of the bigger films. Do you folks, because you're doing more art house, more independent cinema, are you running to that same two week block? And if so, how do you deal with that? Oh, for sure, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, just show a movie for two weeks. <laughs> You're willing to bite that, <laughs> but like make those people mad. Are you ever yeah. nervous? Like, oh man, like, you know, like we, like we talked about earlier, you got the only the one screen. Now it's a two week commitment. That's a pretty huge risk for you well, folks. With the one screen, we can pick the best movie a lot of times. Like, you know, it's, it's not like we're, there've been a number of times during this period of, of, you know, not, so many movies that I was really glad we weren't having to fill up three screens or four. You're three. telling me. Like, I don't know what those, I mean, they, that's why Hocus Pocus was like the number one movie. <laughs> uh, and also one weekend. why movie theaters were only open a, a lot, like four days a week or yeah. something like that. In the- or shutting down, you know, some of their, some of their cinemas and only running four of them, you know, but so to a certain extent we could pick what we thought would be the best the best horse it's hard though so you Chris, at christmas that's when you you bring out you know people start to bring out their academy award contenders mm-hmm. and um you have, you have to choose what you think is going to be like the best one and christmas is supposed to be a really really busy time but this year it was like right in the middle of omicron so we chose a great movie that the distributor said if you want it on its opening day you can have it on its opening day but you have to lock in for four weeks four weeks oh wow so, and that was licorice pizza, um, which we did. We ran for four weeks, but uh, in the in the latter two weeks, we also ran some other titles because it just wasn't busy enough. And so, um, yeah, it wasn't great busy movie, to though. sustain. Great, great Love movie. The movie. No, I, I really enjoyed that one as well. Loved it as much on the fourth week as I did on the first week, which is not something I can say about most things. No, I, I was a big fan of that as well. So, okay, that's a question I have then. All right, so you have it for two weeks, say a two week or a four week block for licorice pizza. Most, now, yeah, most are like two. Mm-hmm. does that mean now, are, are they like you have to run it X amount of times per day or is like, what? how does that work? Yeah, you have to give it your, their, the show is that you have. Like, the, and so normally a theater will have at least one evening show and at least one matinee. Mm-hmm. Often most theaters will have three. Um, but at the height of, you know, at business being a little bit slower, we were just running two um, most of the time, unless we had a, another title and we would slot it in as a third show. Um, but yeah, so you, what, what you do is you give it, you give it shows, you give it your shows or what the distributors will say is like, can you give me your best shows if you're gonna split it with something else? You, so yep. you have to get an agreement from the distributor if you're gonna split a title, but yeah. And so you, you can get a little creative, but you have to do it. It's all like a negotiation process basically. And if that happens creative just means working more, you know? So in, in, in that second, <laughs> in that third week, and you know, you have to give it the same shows that it had. So we would just add another show either earlier or, you know, somewhere, you know, outside of what uh, the slots that it had already 
taken. So. Right. Yeah. Like you said, it just means you're, you're at the theater more because uh, you're running four shows, four movies that day instead of two, maybe. Um, are, 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 have the distributors been pretty easy to deal with during COVID? Are they, are they still easy to deal with? Are they, have any been like, oh, this, you don't need to mention specific names necessarily, but like, have they, have, has it been challenging on that end dealing with them? It's, it really, yeah, they run a gamut. They're I, running I mean, the same old playbook that they always, I mean, it's not much different. Well, and they're scrambling. I, they're, they're, the strategies. The strategies shift. Yeah. Like they, they'll tell you weeks out, you know, oh, for, you know, for you, your date is this and we're going to do New York and LA on, you know, the opening day. And then you get closer and closer and it's like, all right, you can have it. <laughs> Sometimes I, it just is, is, it's a little, it, the, the whole a, model, off, the but. whole model is shifting right now because yeah. I think the pandemic also forced a lot of titles, titles to go straight to streaming. Um, and I think a lot of distributors are, they're working with streaming services and doing these day and date kind of models mm-hmm. um, where you can choose to put something in the theater, but it might also be on a streaming service like Amazon at the same time, or you have a one week window to work with and it'll be in theaters for one week before it goes up on Amazon. And sometimes you'll make the choice to, to run that film because you love that film. And sometimes you won't. And that's how we, you know, sort of missed out on power of the dog because we had made agreements to show other things, even though we would have loved to have shown power of the dog on the big screen. Yeah. But, um, it's it's really tricky. The business right the business end right now. It's it's changing. It's, it's changing. and it and it's unclear where it's going to be. You know, five ten years from now. But um, you know what we love on on our end of the spectrum because it, it a theater is not a theater is not a theater. But so when you're when you're in the art house community. Um, a lot of us, we just work really hard. And, and like, I think art houses mainly believe in like, they do a lot of bare bones, like do it yourselves kind of, kind of work. And we're really in touch with our communities. And we believe that that is how we're going to survive and even survive these shifts that happen in distribution and, and streaming. And it's not the first crisis to hit the, the art house community. I mean, at all, it's been a long road of, of, you know, the streaming services just coming into existence, um, for one, changed movie going. And I'm sure back to your point, like, you know, back in the early 80s, when I was a kid, like, I'm sure video rentals coming into the marketplace must have changed the game for those people. Um, And every time one of those changes happens, you have articles, and it's funny, there was just one written really recently um, that people are debating right now uh, about the death of cinema. Um, But yeah, I think... There are, there are still filmmakers who want to make films. And as long as there are still filmmakers who want to make films, you know, um, yeah. We I don't think it takes, I don't think it takes uh, human psychology enough. And I think that people, the, I mean, the faith that we have in, in doing this and why we put our hat into this, I think is that we believe that people do want to have experiences together even if they don't know each other, you know, like that, that watching something alone in your house is good sometimes, but you don't want to do it all the time. Sometimes and you want to go there, out with your friends and yeah, have a meal and should, go see a movie and there have something be, to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> there should be these other places. Yeah. Um, and movie theaters have always been one of those places. And we have a lot of, of young high school students that are coming um, in groups to come to some of these movies like compartment number six and some of the, you know, what I would Worst call our, our cooler mm-hmm. titles. And, and they're, they're definitely into it. Just plus like the other plus of having a theater downtown is like, yeah. you can walk to it. Like, you know, if you're a kid on your driver's license yet, 
and you guys are showing a PG-13 movie or something that's, or a film that maybe it's hard to have access to if you're a kid, the fact that you can then walk into my, my neighborhood theater, that means that's a huge game changer for teenagers. Yeah. Um, you guys have a movie coming out um, that I loved. Uh, All My Friends Hate Me. I think you guys have that next week. I really recommend if people haven't go check out the Newburyport screening room uh, if you're in that area and check out that movie. I would call it like uh, I think I called it a psychological comedy. It's like the kind of the awkwardness of The Office, like the Michael, best Michael Scott moments, like where he's he's so awkward, but then mixed with like a horror film tone. It's a really interesting movie. Uh, I was really excited that you guys have that one coming on. So if anyone, because that is a movie that I've. I only saw it. It was playing at the landmark Kendall square and it was the only place showing it. And I haven't seen it playing anywhere else in like a 50 mile region of my house. So, um, you're not gonna be able to find that movie many places. So go, go check out, go check that one out for sure. It's one of the best comedies I've seen doing this endeavor. Oh, awesome. cool. That's so great. Um, that's a good one. And you guys have a Ukraine fundraiser on, uh, this episode's going to, uh, drop on Wednesday, but you guys have a Ukraine fundraiser this weekend, right? Maybe yeah. t- tell me a little about that. Sunday at 3.30, we're going to be showing a movie called The Guide. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Cinema Salem uh, because uh, Marshall from Cinema Salem, actually, he invented an organization. He started something with this movie called Stand with Ukraine through film.org. Um, and so he, he worked with a, a whole ton of organizations and the film's director and got made an agreement that um, they, this film could be shown uh, as long as all ticket proceeds would go to a fund called um, the Ukraine, uh, the Red Cross Ukraine Relief Fund, Ukra- Ukraine Relief Fund. Right? Um, so the fil- the director is in Kiev, and he recorded an intro that's going to play before the screening. Um, and and Marshall will also be here to explain where uh, all of the funding is going to go. Um, so yeah, we're excited to show this movie, and it's it's it was Ukraine's. Submission to the Academy Awards in 2014, yeah. and it has parallels. It's a story that has parallels to what's going on today. So, and all the proceeds on the Sunday showing will go to the Ukraine Red Cross. Yeah, 100 percent of both, both to, ours and and the uh, and the distributors to the Ukraine Relief Fund, and then they distribute from there. So, Marshall will be here to explain the distribution of funding. Oh, that sounds awesome. That's Sunday. Is that 3.30? Sunday at 3.30. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Check that out. The Newburyport Screening Room. Uh, it is located at 82 St- State Street, Newburyport. Um, I recommend getting, go in there a little early, grab some lunch, walk around a little bit. The weather's nice. Go catch a movie. Um, sometimes with these art house films, you know, if you're someone, if you're listening to this, you don't really go to a lot of art house stuff. Like go take, take the risk. I mean, it's two hours of your life and you might end up like walking out really enjoying something maybe you didn't necessarily expect. And compartment number six was pretty good too. I, I enjoyed that one as well. Um, so I've yet to see a bad movie or your theater. So that's a, that's a credit to you guys. <laughs> keep it up. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, guys. I really enjoyed speaking with you and go check out the new Brayport screening room. Budget month rolls on. I've now spent $2,802, which would work out to $33.36 a day or $12,175 if rolled out for the entire year. The expense report is back again, sponsored by Tom Treshock from CNA Financial Group. I've mentioned how Tom has been helping me get that budget back on track. We're getting in better shape here in the $12,000 range. However, he doesn't just specialize in budgets for 42-year-old guys going to see movies every day. He helps people no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're starting a new job, planning for family expenses, or even setting someone up for financially for retirement. Give him a call today to schedule a meeting with him to hear how he can help you. Whether today or sometime in the future, 
You won't know how Tom can help until you can hear what he does. Call him today, 732-403-7747. Again, that's Tom Treshock at 732-403-7747 to schedule your meeting today. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, CNA Financial Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS. Okay, I went and saw the movie Seven Days. I saw this at the AMC Liberty Tree Mall uh, in Danvers. And I was the only person in the theaters to see this, which is a shame because this is a pretty good movie. Uh, this hasn't happened recently to me. Uh, it happened a lot in January. But as we got into late February, early March, really once Batman came out. People have been coming back to the theaters at a much greater numbers. I mean, you probably see it just walking around everyday life, but people are out a lot more. Uh, but this is a movie that just was not publicized at all. Um, it's not playing in many theaters. But if you compare it to other movies that are kind of under the radar and not being promoted, this is one of the better ones. Um, the concept is pretty easy too. Uh, it's a Indian couple, Indian American couple uh, that are on their first date. And their first date happens to be that same day when the pandemic really blew up, you know, March 2020, you know, the day when Tom Hanks announced that he had COVID and the Utah Jazz game uh, ended abruptly. Like this is the this is the moment when it all kind of crashed down. Uh, so because of that, he was traveling from afar to meet on this first date. So he wasn't able to get his rental car. So he ends up being trapped in her apartment, more or less, for seven days. When they meet, um, they're both acting like very traditional Indian American young people. But as the uh, the young man realizes, uh, the young woman is pretty westernized, and, and she was kind of putting on an act, if you will, to make her mother happy, who, who has been setting up these dates for her. And that's the movie. It's pretty simple. You have two very likable performances um, by Karan Sony. He plays the uh, the young man, and and Geraldine Viswanathan plays the the young woman, and she's particularly good. She acts very naturally, and she's the best part of this movie. I mentioned Karan Sony. He also co-wrote this, and it feels very improvised, but it just feels very natural. Um, I guess they shot this over the span of eight days, uh, it, but it doesn't feel particularly rushed. It's a movie that does feel cared for and you definitely like the cast members even though they, they don't even though they're coming at the world from such different dynamics you're rooting for both of them uh it, it's it's really it, it, two impressive performances and it's a fun movie to watch unfortunately the third act it, it kind of loses it like most comedies do um well, this is a movie about covid so of course someone has to get sick with covid which is kind of a shame like the movie is enough this bottle movie you have two people trapped in a house that two people you like a lot trapped in a house, COVID's going on around them. But just because COVID's in the movie doesn't mean that necessarily that people in the movie have to get COVID. Like not everyone got COVID in March of, of 2020. In fact, depending on where you live, very few people got it that early. While I did enjoy seeing COVID, a COVID situation in film, um, you know, we have, I'm sure we'll see a lot more of them. So maybe this will get tiring pretty quick, but it, it, and the way they handled it, it felt truthful to the situation, even though some of the circumstances were a little silly where the guys trapped there for so long. Uh, but it, but maybe, maybe the, I just like the cast members so much they pulled it off. 
But I could also see this being a trope where every movie that's coming out in 2020 or 2021 has this major COVID theme where now people, are, everyone's getting, everyone in the movie gets COVID. And then that, that, that could be exhausting. I, I hope that's not what we end up getting um, for the rest of our lives is see any movie that's taking place during this time. I'm going to give this a B, and I'm hoping that eventually this does get some play on some streaming service. Uh, Mark Dupas is one of the producers, um, and he has a pretty good relationship with HBO. Uh, so I'm hoping that his involvement will allow this to be seen by more people. But if you have a chance to check out Seven Days, it's not playing very, very many places. It's hard. I don't think it's on streaming right now. I do recommend checking it out. It's a very good romantic comedy. Okay, before I go any further, I want to tell you folks about the amazing popcorn at Popped Gourmet Popcorn. Popped has a store in Salem, Massachusetts, but they also have an online store at poppedstores.com. It's P-O-P-P-E-D, stores.com. It has over 100 flavors available. They have a full-time popcorn chef that comes up with new and creative flavors each week. They also offer bulk popcorn, corporate gifts, wedding bags, and more. They can do almost anything in any size, and best of all, they can ship anywhere. They sent me over a bunch of flavors to try. My favorite, salt and vinegar. I really like that popcorn. I can't wait to get more of it. You can also get the Chicago style, which is that mix of caramel and, and orange cheddar. And if you like coconut, you can't go wrong with the coconut crunch. This is a perfect option for me when I get home from the movies now that concessions month is over. If you go to popstores.com, that's P-O-P-P-E-D, stores.com, and use promo code MOVIESWITHCHRIS, you will save 25% off your entire order. That's Movies with Chris, C-H-R-I-S, all one word. Go check out their flavors right now. Okay, I know we're running along, so I'll talk about Alice pretty quickly here. Alice is a movie that has a really interesting premise and a very good performance by Kiki Palmer, but then the movie has some real giant problems with it as well. The concept is, is I think, quite good. And I kind of wish this was a Netflix series. This should have been, this is only a hundred minute movie where I think you could have gotten like a full 12 episode Netflix season on this. The first first act of the movie, and I'm not giving anything away that's not in the, in the trailer here. The first act of the movie takes place in an old fashioned plantation and you have slaves um, played by Kiki Palmer and Gaius Charles. He was smash on Friday Night Lights. It was, it was great seeing him again. I think he's a very good actor, uh, and I would like to see him in more stuff. He's good in this. And eventually, Kiki Palmer's character, Alice, escapes the plantation, ends up making her way to a road where a tractor trailer flies by, and it ends up she's in 1973. So this is actually based on a true story. Um, a woman named Mae Miller uh, told the story, and I think it was I think she escaped the plantation in 1963, but a Southern family basically kept black people enslaved, which I think is a wild premise. Uh, and I can only imagine what their life must've been like after that. Um, in this story, uh, in Alice's story, everyone involved uh, is kept in what might as well have been the 1850s. Um, you know, there's no modern technology, uh, none of that. And that's part of the problem is that when Alice escapes, ends up in 1973, it's just not very believable. Um, Kiki Palmer does a great job considering how weak the script is. This film is written and directed by Kristen Burr-Linden. It's the first film she's directed, and it, and it looks like it and it feels like it. Uh, she also wrote the script, like I said, and it has some major problems as well. I don't think it deals with the fact that this woman has spent her entire life basically in 1850s and now is dealing with 1973. It doesn't take enough time to acknowledge that. And if you want to tell a story that's based on a true story and you say that the very first title card you see is inspired by real events, then you have to 
respect that a little bit more. Now, I didn't hate this movie. I'm going to give it a C minus. I think it has some problems. The third act becomes basically a, a black exploitation revenge film. So think of like Shaft or some of the Pam Greer movies of the seventies. And it really wants to be one of those. It's really paying tribute to those to the fact that it throws away the entire rest of the story, if you will, the character development of these uh, that we had seen the first two acts. It just entirely becomes this uh, whole different tone of film, which sometimes film tone changes can work, but it doesn't here because I think it, it, in some ways it kind of trivializes what this woman must be going through. Uh, there are two reviews that if you're interested in this movie, I recommend you check out. One is by Odie Henderson uh, for RogerEbert.com. Uh, he is a black man and he really hated this movie. He found it to be incredibly simplistic about race. And he said that it was so afraid to offend white people that it bordered on parody. And after reading his review, I can I can really see what he means. Um, uh, and I think it's a really fair point by him. Another review in the New York Times by B. Andrea July. Uh, she's a black woman, and she also found the movie to be incredibly simplistic. Uh, I understand those points completely, and I respect where they're coming from with those takes. I think they're both very fair. And I definitely recommend reading those, those two reviews. Um, because they add a lot of depth to this movie that obviously from where I'm standing as a, as a white guy, I, I'm not going to be able to provide those, that same depth. And this is where the movie does fall short. And even, even as a white guy, I can see that in that it is oversimplifying a lot of this. Um, at one point in the movie, she's learning about civil rights history, or at least, you know, up until 1973. And it's just, it does really gloss over a lot. And it is sort of like this even beyond simplistic cliff notes version of a lot of the changes that civil rights uh, endured. I mean, and I, I talked about it in that movie, uh, Who We Are. That was the um, the movie I saw at the Newbury Port screening room um, that was sort of a lecture on race, but really race history. Uh, and it was very good. And it, it, even that movie didn't have enough time to really go into as much depth as needed with this issue. Uh, but it did a much better job being really careful and considerate and thoughtful about these issues where this movie, it, she basically speed speed reads like a couple encyclopedias and now she all of a sudden understands uh, the civil rights movement. So I understand how that would really infuriate some people. I can't recommend Alice. I don't think it's terrible, but I definitely recommend reading those reviews um, before, if you are interested in this sort of movie uh, before you before you check it out. Because like I said, they're, those reviews are going to add a lot more depth to this than, than, than I can provide. Okay, I'll be back on Friday. We have a, some box office stuff to talk about. Uh, we have a new number one this week, and I think we're going to have a brand new number one next week uh, as well. So I do want to talk about uh, those things with you folks. And then also, if you're looking to sponsor the show, you can reach me uh, via email at a theater at gmail.com. That's at a theater at gmail.com. Or uh, send me a DM on Twitter. It's at a theater near me. So the at symbol, a theater near me. Ad read start at $50 a read. And I'd really appreciate the support for this show. I will talk to you folks on Friday.